impossible to do this on our own. And like I said before, when in doubt about anything, you just have to remember that we should love one another. Regardless of what the situation is or how it looks or whatever, we have to remember that we need to love one another because love fulfills the whole lot. And those that love one another has fulfilled that. That law, I want us to go to the book of Exodus. This is the third level of the building of the temple. It's the last level. It's a very deep message. And what we're going to do, uh, we're going to entitle this one, God's Glory Fills the Temple. Remember the first thing that we did, we dealt with the preparation of the temple. The preparation of the temple is where we, as a human being, decide to allow the purity of God, Hiram, the king of Tyre, and the peacefulness of God, which is found in Solomon, to come together in a joint venture to build this spiritual temple. And then the next sermon that we had was on the description of the temple. And there were several things there (coughs) whereby we were able and we would be able to spot where a person is in the building of their temple. There would be peace. We would see the spirit of peace upon their life. We would see the, the, the anointed word of God being spoken uh, through their lips. We would also see that there was a single eye, that there were, would be a single focus on what it was that we were to do for God and where we were going in God. And there were a few other things that would be dynamic and displayed as far as what that temple is supposed to look like, the description of it, the schematical blueprint of it. Now, through the building of the temple, the last segment of it would be the filling or God's glory filling this temple. Now, I want us to go to the book of Exodus. 25, and we're going to read verse 8 and verse 9. But I want you to just go there right now because I want to give you some understanding on something. We're going to be dealing with two tabernacles here today. We're going to be dealing with the tabernacle in the wilderness, Moses, that Moses brought up under the law. And we're going to be dealing with the spiritual temple or the temple uh, 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 of Solomon that Solomon built, Solomon being peacefulness. And, and I want you to understand right off the bat that the temple that Solomon built is on a higher plane of spiritual masonry than that of the primitive one that Moses built. Okay? Same tabernacle, but it's of a different spiritual level. Okay? It's on a higher plane. We'll get to that in a moment. I want to break something down and get us some clarification. I want you to hold your place there in Exodus 25. And I want you to go to Hebrews 10, verse 1 in the New Testament. Hebrews 10, verse 1. Once again, I want to thank God for all of you this morning. It's, it's a privilege to be able to stand before you. I definitely take it not lightly. My soul is resting in the Lord. I'm at peace. And I'm, and, and, and I'm at peace with you. And, 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 and the Bible says how beautiful it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. And I, I just thank, I thank God this morning. Are we there? Amen. Hebrews... 
chapter 10, verse 1 says, For the law, now remember, everything in the Old Testament was constructed under the law, okay? For the law, having a shadow of good things to what come, okay? And not the very image of the things, it was only a shadow of the things, alright? And for it could never, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers were unto perfect. Do you understand what they're saying? Basically what it's saying is that the law and everything that was done under the law, including the building of the tabernacle, because it came under the law, including that. It could ne and the things that they did in it, it could never perfect those who came to it that were under the law, okay? It never was meant for perfection. But watch Hebrews uh, 12, 21 through 23. Let's go there. Hebrews 12, 21 and through 23. Or 22 and 23. Over there? Amen. Okay, watch this word. But then it goes on and it puts that word but there. You see it? But ye, that means but we. Not those of us who are under the law, but we. Watch what it says. But ye which is we, are come unto who? Mount Zion. And unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. This is where we've come to. See, the law couldn't bring us into that. Keep, keep with me now. To the general assembly and church of the first Born, talk about Jesus. He's the firstborn of many brethren, which are written in heaven. Amen for that. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of what kind of men? Yes. Made what? Made perfect. See, the law, under the tutelage of Moses and all of those guys, it could never perfect those that came to it under that sequence, under that tutelage. That could perfect, and that's what the word says in Hebrews 10.1. But in Hebrews 12, 22 and 23, it says, but we're not there. We've come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God, in the company of the innumerable amount of angels. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to tell us to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which is Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, whereby the spirits of just men are made perfect. So where we're going and where we are is a totally different place than where the law would allow us to go. We couldn't be perfected that way. But where we are now, we can if we will. And that's the point I'm trying to make right there. We can be perfected if we will. Whosoever will, let him come. Not just anybody, but whosoever will. Church, I'm telling you, it's time to get realer with this. It's time for all of us to get real with this thing because I'm telling you, we're just one breath away from heaven or hell. Amen. Just one breath. Amen. You may be breathing now in the next minute. Amen. Now where will you spend your life and where will I spend my life in eternity? That's the question. Because you see, I'm not going to be able to blame nobody else. If I don't make it, I can't blame nobody but myself. I'm the only one that can stand there for myself at that final drop. It's going to be on the choice that I made. See, our choice is so powerful that we really don't understand that this thing ain't a, about the sequence of the church that we feel that it's about. 
See, we got this thing all wrong. We really do have this thing all wrong. Watch this word. The Bible tells us that, and let them, Exodus 25, verse 8 and verse 9. But before I go there, I want to talk to you about these two tabernacles. Under Moses, there was a primitive, and it was primitive, tabernacle called the tabernacle in the wilderness. And it represented man going through this earthly life of existence in his primitive manner. See, we are in a primitive state right now. We, let me clarify it like this. We are just caterpillars right now. When we die, we'll go into a cocoon. And when we'll raise, we'll be that beautiful butterfly. Can you understand it that way? Okay. So right now, we're in a caterpillar state of man. That's what we are right now. We don't know what we should be, the Bible says. But we'll know when he comes. Because we'll see him just as he is. So, and we'll be just like him. So over here, they've got this tabernacle. Made up under the law, Moses. And later on comes a higher degree of that very same tabernacle called the Temple of Solomon. Same thing, only of a higher spiritual masonry. And I'm not talking about, a, I'm talking about a spiritual builder. That's what I'm talking about when I say masonry. I'm not talking about some kind of coat or some kind of club called mason. But I'm talking about the spiritual masonry of God. The building. The building. That's why Jesus was the son or the builder of a carpenter. The carpenter there meant this architect or mason or builder. And the father is that builder. He is that architect. And Jesus was the builder of the God in us. That's why he was the builder. He was the son of a carpenter. You see, Joseph represents cutage and light. God is light. So Jesus was the son of the father of light. Joseph. It means fruitage or light. Okay, speaking of God. Now, you've got these two. You've got these two tabernacles. One is the tabernacle in the wilderness. One is the temple. One is mobile. Everywhere Israel went and we're Israel and we're carrying it around. The priests are the only ones that can carry this thing around. They were the only ones that's able to touch the ark. They were the only ones that were able to tear that Tabernacle down with Moses and bring it up. It was three of them. Gershom, Merimah, and it was another one there called the Kohites. So that was three of them. Korah. It was three of them. Three Levite clans that came out of Levite that were able to deal with this. You'll find that in Numbers. Deal with this tabernacle in the wilderness. They were all Levite priests. That's where the priesthood come out of. We're kings and priests. Nothing but the priests can touch the ark of God, okay? Which is the spirit of God. Nothing else. Anything else touching it, it dies. As you say, okay? Now, you've got this tabernacle over here. And you've got this temple of Solomon. One is built by the law. One is built by the peace of God. Same thing. They represent man. Each one has six pieces to it. But first, before you can get into that, you've got to understand that each one had an outer court, an inner court, and an innermost court, which represents the flesh, which is the outer court, the soul, which is the inner court, and the spirit, where the ark is, which is the innermost court. That's where the spirit is. Are you with me? All right, both of them had that. That's us. Let's talk about us. Now, the first thing that you got to do, it's got six pieces. Four of those pieces are inside the envelope of that temple. Two of those are pieces on the outside of it. The first thing is what we call the altar of burnt offering. That's the first thing. You take one over here, same thing over here. The first thing, on each one is the altar of burnt offering. Burnt offering means to ascend upon high. Before you can ascend upon high, 
you must get and make a sacrifice on the altar of burnt offering. The altar of burnt offering is where we place our flesh on the altar and allow it to be sacrificed. That's the first thing that must be done. Everybody with me? That's the first thing. You cannot do nothing for God until flesh is destroyed. So the first thing that we do is climb up on that altar of burnt offering and make a sacrifice and become that living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable unto God. Jesus put it like this. If any man cometh to me, let him deny himself. You know, let him get up on that altar. Deny himself. Make a sacrifice of self. Take up his cross and follow after me daily. That's what he said in the book of Luke. Are y'all with me? Alright, that's the first thing. The second thing that's to be done is that each one had what they call a brazing laver. It was a place where the priest would wash themselves. Each one had it. They're still in the flesh realm. You can't go inside to do no work for the Lord until you're washed by the Word of God. Ephesians 5, 26, I believe it said that we ought to be sanctified and cleansed by the washing of the water by the Word. So, we're talking about a thing of sanctification here. So, now, here's where the thing begins to change. Moses' tabernacle was a mobile tabernacle. It moved around in the wilderness. Don't we carry this thing around in the wilderness? Amen. But Solomon's was built on the rock. It was a solid foundation. Alright? Are you catching this? See, we're changing now. I told you, Moses was a higher form of spiritual ma uh, uh, masonry. In other words, it was a spiritual temple that Moses was building. Remember? It was a shadow of things, of the good things to come. That's what the law was. Just a shadow. But watch this. If a man is here, and there's a shadow, if you follow that shadow, if you ain't careful, you'll find out what that shadow is. You'll run upon it, won't you? You'll run upon the man that don't. It's the same thing with what we're dealing with in this book here. You keep following the shadow. And you'll mess around and run up on God. On God's real word. Follow the shadow. I'm making this as simple as I possibly can. But this is a very spiritually complicated situation we're dealing with here this morning. So, there it is. They've got one basin over here for the priest to wash. To be sanctified through the washing of the water by the word. It's the word that sanctifies us. Right? John 17, 17 says, Thy word is true. Sanctify them with thy word, for thy word is true. I think that's where you'll find that at. Okay? But now the difference over here is, not only do they have one basin in Solomon's temple, but all along the side of it, they've got portable basins. What that means is, is that they're continually, un continually being washed. By the word. You understand what I'm saying here? Yes. The difference. There's a difference. Alright. Now we're going into the soul realm because now you've been sanctified. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb by the word of God. And now you are authentically a priest and able to go into your area of the soul and allow and handle God's word so God's word can handle you. Okay? So. The first thing they do when they go in is the priest goes into the realm of the soul known as the inner court. And right here on the left in the tabernacle in the wilderness, right here on the left, when he goes in, is what we call the golden candlestick. The seven golden candles on the candlestick. Seven golden candlesticks, that's what it is. It's a candlestick with seven candles on it, okay? It represents the perfect light of God, all right? That's what we'll find inside of this thing. Okay? It's on the left side. Over here, though, is different. Over here, you've got ten of those candlesticks 
with seven candles on each stick, okay? Instead of just one candlestick with seven, over here you got ten. Well, the ten still equals the one, but watch what he does. Five on the right side, five on the left side. So what that means, all the way down. So what that means is that God's constantly shining his light on us. You see what I'm saying? Instead of just one candlestick in there, it's five on each side. With seven candles on each so on, on each one of those sticks. So what it's saying is, is that, hey, God's perfect light is constantly shining on us through his word. Through his word. Alright. Now, the third part is on the right side, there is what we call a table of showbread. It means to that we show God what we do. That's the table of showbread. It was unleavened bread. It was changed every day and made new because God don't want you trying to do what you did yesterday and thinking. He needs you to show him every day what you're doing for him. That's why they call it showbread. Show me what you're working with. God wants to see daily what we're doing. Are you with me on that? Okay? Ah. The difference here is that it's 12 cakes. 12 is the divine uh, 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 purpose of God in man. But they were in two stacks of six. Covenant with man. So God wants his divine purpose to be, he wants us to be in covenant. As man, he wants us to be in covenant with his divine purpose for our life. Okay? That's what he's saying there. So, it's just one table over here, but over here. It's ten tables. Five down on that side, five down on that side, and the light, remember the, 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 the candlesticks? Each one of them is behind, shining on those tables of showbread. So God is constantly watching what we're doing for him. That's why that light is there. The table is in front of the light. The light ain't in front, the light ain't in front of the table. No. The table of showbread is in front of the light in Solomon's temple. See, it's a difference. You know, it's just one table over here with two stacks of cakes on it. Six in each stack equals twelve. And I explained to y'all what that meant. But over here, it's totally different. Because now you're in a higher place with God and more is expected. So he shines his light on us more and more and more and more. And we walk down through this thing, and as we walk through this temple, and as we build this temple, what God is doing, God is constantly shining his light on it, all the way down in Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple now was built by the peace of God. Moses' temple was built by the law. Even though Solomon was under the law, Solomon had a higher spiritual revelation. That's why he didn't build his to be carried around. He built his on Mount Moriah, a rock in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city of peace. That's where that temple was built. The Muslims have their temple there now. So, now the next thing that we see is, is that, is the, the, the one, two, three, the fourth thing piece of furniture is right there in the middle. In, the, in, in, in Moses, there is it's called the altar of incense. Now the altar of incense is where we show our love up before God. He smells our love or our dislove for one another. And if it's dislove, it sticks in his nostrils. But he says that we're supposed to give a sweet smelling savor unto him through hot love. Incense represents love the burning of the incense represents the exercising of the love. Okay? That's how it goes up into his nostrils. So we got this over here. So what we have, what we have here is the fact that this altar of burnt offering, um, of, of burnt incense, come on in, brother. How you doing? Uh, this altar of burnt incense stands right there in the middle. In the middle. Now what happens is, is that over here, it's the same thing. But there's a difference. In Solomon's temple, there was no veil between where that altar of incense was and the ark. 
which was in the next compartment, which is the innermost sanctuary where the spirit lies. But over here in Moses' temple, there was a veil. You got it? Between the love or the altar of incense and the actual ark. We're in Exodus 25, verse 7. Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. I'll be getting back to it in a minute. Now, so are y'all following me on this? Okay? Now the next thing in the last part position, the six furniture, six pieces of furniture. Six is the number of men made on the sixth day. Is the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the spirit of the living God. That's what the Ark represents. That's the sixth part of it. Now I want you to only show you something here. Watch this word here. This is, the, this is, I'm going to do it this way. This is the temple. The tabernacle or the temple. They're both the same. Alright. I'm going to show you a secret that they was carrying around in the tabernacle the whole time. First they had the altar of burnt offering. Then they had the brazen labor. And then over here they had the lights. The candlesticks. Seven golden candlesticks. And then they had the altar of incense. And then over here they had the table of showbread. And then right here they had the Ark of the Covenant. Do you not see a cross there? Did it not go up and across? So the whole time Moses there was carrying, that's why I told you the tabernacle is the tabernacle of man in this earthly life of existence. See, we've been carrying this cross around. That's why Jesus said, take up your cross. You see, so that whole time that Moses and them was carrying that thing around, it was, that thing had a, it was a cross. The Bible said it was the shadow of things to come. A good thing. And see, and only the priest was able to carry it around. Nobody else was able to carry it around. So when you look at the positions of it, you got one, two, three, four, five, Six. That's where his head is right there. Spirit. That's a cross. And it was hidden down in there. And that's why I keep saying what I keep saying. We've entered into a place with God. And that's why God is doing so miraculous things. That this ministry is for us healing this stuff. It's not us. It's the word. It's the level of the spiritual word that we're receiving here. While we don't have to do like the others do. All we got to do is speak the word. And it happens. It simply happens. Guess why? Because you connected into something with God. Where all you got to do now is open your mouth. What do I always tell y'all? Open your what? Open your mouth then. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. In the book of Exodus 25, verse 9, verse 8 and verse 9. Watch this word. <coughs> what was that? Amen. Look what the word of God said. The word of God said, and let them, who? Israel, us. Let me. God said, I want us, the uses up in here, to make him a Sanctuary. That word sanctuary meaning a place that's consecrated. See, God wants us to make a place within ourselves that's consecrated. That's why the word tells us that thy word is true. And that the word will sanctify us through the washing of the water by the word. No word, no sanctification. No sanctification, no consecration. No consecration, no God. So if it ain't working, check your resume. Check and see what's wrong. That's all you got to do. But my God, if it ain't been working, how long are we going to do something that ain't been working? Just keep doing it, you know, like a bumblebee trying to find a hole on the barn. Busting his head up against it, and all he got to do is go around the corner and he'll see a, 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 a hole already there. Just change, change up a little bit. Make an adjustment. God wants us to make an adjustment to our life. Amen. 
That's what he wants us to do. He said, and let them make me a sanctuary that who may dwell amongst them? Him. So it's evident that God cannot dwell among us unless we make a place of consecration for him. And the first thing that we got to do in order to be consecrated is get on that altar of burnt offering. Because burnt offering needs to ascend upon high. And we cannot ascend upon high in flesh. You can't do it. But notice something here in verse 9. He says, if you're going to do this thing, you've got to do it according to all. And here's the problem with church folk. Amen. Now, here's what the problem is with church people right here. I didn't say kingdom people. I said church folk. Amen. According to all that I show thee. After the pattern of the tabernacle, uh-huh. And the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make. In other words, you got to do this thing the way the Lord say do it. Amen. We can't do this thing the way we want to do it. It's got to be God's way. Amen. Let's go over here to verse 40. Verse 40 says, And look that thou make them after their pattern. He keeps talking about that. Which was showed thee where? He didn't say it was showed him in the earth. They showed, he was showed it up top. And see, what it is is that the church don't want to receive the knowledge from up top. They want to receive the down low knowledge. The knowledge that the associations and the theologians give them. They don't want to accept. See, see, you become an outcast when you begin to preach from what's up top. So you got to understand that, church. You, you, see, that's why Jesus went through. See, he was against the establishment. He didn't do it like they did. So they didn't like him. He was a renegade. He was a radical. He went against everything that they were used to doing. They knew what the book said, but when it came to pass, they didn't believe it. It's all like us. We get saved, but we don't believe we saved. So we buck it. We get blessed, but we don't believe we're blessed. So we buck it. God do good for us, but we, we buck that too. And, and we ain't no different than the Pharisees back then. Those of us who are caught up in religion. We're no different. Because as long as you can keep God in that box, they all right with you. In their box. See, everybody got their own box. When it comes to religion. They got this little box that they put God in. Amen. Baptist got theirs. Pentecostal got theirs. Uh, uh, Church of God got theirs. You know, everybody got theirs. The Episcopalians got theirs. The Catholics got theirs. You know. I mean, they, everybody got their own little box. And they call it Jesus. They do. Everybody got it now. And see, that's what has to be broken. And that's why our crew, God has to selectively handpick. Because we've broken that. We're not a part of that. We're part of that kingdom message, that kingdom world. And now God can show us the pattern from up top. Not that old prefabricated one from man. See, it's a difference. It's a difference. See, that old prefabricated one, it'll mess you up. Have you all built crooked. You know, you're supposed to have nails in it, but you got some old, some staples. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're going to staple a house together. No, you got to put the nails in that thing. You know, the long ones. So the Lord said, look, you got to do this thing the way I showed you. Now let's go over here to Solomon in King. In the book of Kings. 
Because we're good. We're going to work this and then we're going to go on about our business. But I'm going to give you some revelations here. Some more. First King. Chapter 8. Are we there? Verse 3. That's where I'm going to be starting from. We're going to break it down. Amen? Amen. Alright, let's roll. Lead his word here. The word of God says, and all the elders, the elders here represents the celestial council of God. That's the top ones. That's the one that, that's including the angelic forces. They're the ones who have the eternal wisdom of God. Okay? In other words, there were two. There were the older brother, that's the angels, and the younger brother, which is man. Okay? Man went on a faraway journey, messed up. You understand what I'm saying. Y'all know the story. He came back. God brought him back. He came back. Angel, old brother got uptight. Say, look, man, we've been here the whole time with you. He said, yeah, but this your brother. He was lost, but now he's fine. You know what I'm saying? So, you, you, you know, we're going to be angels. The Bible said we'll be just like the angels. There won't be no marriage, none of that. We'll be just like the angels. We've already dealt with all of that before. But look at the word here. The word says, and all the elders, not some of them, but all the elders of Israel, that's the, the old ones and the young ones, the angels and men, on a supreme level I'm talking about. Now you can stay down low and do it on the, theological terms if you want to, but that's you. I'm in the spirit. I'll deal down low. And all the elders of Israel came, and the priest, who took it out? Who took up the ark? The priest. Now, Revelation 1 6 says that God has made us kings and what? Priests. Didn't I tell you we're the only one? Peter said we are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, right? Okay. We're that priesthood, and we're the only ones that can touch that spirit, that ark, inside of us. And get away with it. The Bible says that the priest took up the ark. When? After the elders came, after the celestial knowledge of wisdom came from God, then the priest in us was able to take up the ark because it understood what it was that it was putting in his hand. And they brought up, up, somebody say up. And they brought up the ark of the Lord. And that's the resurrection of the Spirit. They brought it up. And the tabernacle of the congregation. And all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. Even those did the priest and the Levite bring up. Remember I told you about them three clans? Gershon. Merari. And Kohath or Korah. Which are the Kohath, the Korahites. Those were the three sons of Levi, the priesthood. They were the three clans. Two of them broke it down and carried it around. One of those clans was the ones that dealt with nothing but the utensils. Each one had their own thing. It's in numbers. But the word of God says here in verse 5, And King Solomon, mm -hmm, the spirit of peacefulness, and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him. Notice what it says now. And all the congregation that were assembled unto him. In other words, all those that were assembled unto the spirit of peace. See, everybody ain't assembled. Everybody in the church don't come to assemble unto the spirit of peace. See, you got some hell raisers in some of these churches. Oh yeah, you got some problems in some of these churches. See, see, think, but, 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 but this word here said that only, and King Solomon, verse 5, and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him, were with him before the ark, which is the spirit. And what were they doing? Sacrificing. Sheep and oxen. That means that they were sacrificing the thoughts of purity that they had in their mind. 
and they were sacrificing the oxen, which represent those affections that you have. They shouldn't be there. They've got to be sacrificed. That could not be told nor murmured for multitude. And the priest brought in the ark, priest still carrying it, of the ark of the Lord, unto his place, into the oracle of the house, to the most holy place. That's that innermost sanctuary where the spirit is in us. Lies deep down inside the soul. Even under the wings of the cherubim. Mm -hmm. We're going to deal with the cherubim. For the cherubims spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark. And the cherubims covered the ark and the staves therefore above. Okay. Let's deal with this. First of all, the word cherubim is an angel of the second order of God. Their job is to protect God's word. That's their job. Notice that their wings hovered over that ark as a protective unit. You got it? God's word hovers over that which is inside of us, that ark for a protective unit. It protects that word in us. Now, notice what it does here. It spreads forth their two wings, meaning that there is a covenant here between their job and what they propose to do with that job, which is to do the right thing, and that is to protect God's word. So they're in covenant with God to protect his word in us, okay? That's why they got that thing spread out, those wings spread out, two wings. It didn't say two wings, it could have said four. It could have said just one. But it said two wings, two is the covenant between God and man. Because a covenant ain't nothing but a contract, and it takes two then into a contract. For the caravan, verse 7, spread forth their two wings over the place of the ark, the spirit. And the caravans covered the ark. Notice what they did. But that ain't all they covered. What else did they cover? The staves. They are of above. Do you know what that word stave there means? The body. That word in Hebrew means body. We're the body. We're the body. This thing is protecting us. Y'all ever heard of the angels? You got your, 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 your what they call them? Your, 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 your protecting angels, the protecting angels that's with everybody? That is. That is right there. It says this thing here, not only does it protect the heart, but it also protects the body. It's got its wings over the body too. But look at here. I'm going to show you something here. Now, before I read verse 8, I want you to go to Exodus 25, 15. We're going to be talking about these stars. See, those stars are those things. Here, here's the ark. Here's the ark. And the ark has these poles running through them. That's them stars. That the priests would carry it. Mm -hmm. Let's go over here to Exodus. Because I'm going to show you a mystery in this thing here in a minute. Exodus. The book of Exodus 25, verse 15. 25, verse 15. See. Are we there? Look at the word. The stars, the stars shall be in the rings of the ark. And they shall not be what? Now that's Moses tabernacle, right? That's Moses tabernacle, right? Now what was the stars used for? To carry what? The ark. And the ark is the spirit. And it was carried by the priest. And that's what they did. They carried the sign around, right? So he said, don't pull them out, right? Right? Now the stars is the who? Body. We're the ones that are carrying it, right? Makes sense? Okay. Now, he says, the, he's telling the body of Christ not to neglect carrying that off of him. That's why he didn't pull the stars out of it. Okay. Alright. Let's go to Exodus 
Let's go to Exodus 37, verse 5. Maybe we'll get a little more insight here. And he put, are we there? Look what the word says. And he put the star's body into the rings by the side of the ark to bear what? It does not the body of Christ bear the spirit of God? Amen. Amen. Are you with me? Say amen to the Lord then. Now, let's go back over here to Solomon's temple. Because Solomon's temple is a greater act of spiritual masonry, spiritual building. Because, like I said before, Moses' tabernacle was mobile. They moved it around from place to place. That's us in this life. Moving this thing around from place to place, carrying it around. That's what we do. But now, when we get over here where Solomon is, where the peace builds this temple on the rock. Because, see, it ain't moving around no more. See, this thing here is stationary now. Watch what happens. Now, watch what happens now. Something changes about the stairs. But, you see, something changes with the body. Now, didn't he say over in Exodus, don't draw them stars out? And the stars of, is the body? Look at verse 8 here in 1 Kings 8, verse 8. Are you there? Amen. I want everybody to be there because I want you to really see this thing. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 8. The word of the Lord says, and they, who is they? Us. And they drew. Talk about Israel and we're Israel because we're soldiers of God. And the word Israel means soldier of God. He who shall reign as God. That's what it means in Hebrew. And God has already told us in the book of, of uh, Timothy that we're soldiers of Christ to endure. It sounds like a, a soldier of God to me. Jesus Christ is God. And if we're soldiers of him, we're soldiers of God. So we're Israel because we've been grafted in. Amen. He said, ain't no more Jews and Gentiles. He said, if we be in Christ, we're all one. And heirs to the promise of Abraham. How many of y'all know that Abraham was a heathen? Abraham was a star worshiper. And it was through him. <laughs> That's why a Jew ain't no Jew by his outward appearance. Romans 2, 28 and 29. But it's what's inside you that make you a Jew. Oh, I'll step on their theology because I know what this word says. Let's go with this word. We're the Jew. We're, the, we're talking about a spiritual Jew. One that's been circumcised. You know, not in the flesh, but in the heart. I'm just telling you what the word says. Romans 2, verse 28 and 29. But here it says, and they drew out the star. Hmm. Drew it out. But he told Moses, don't do it. That the ends of the stars were seen out in the where? holy place before the oracles. See? See, the, the, the temple has now drawn itself within. It's a, it drew out the star of the body. And they were not seen outside. And they, and there, they are unto when? Uh-huh. Talking about they drew out the body. That's what, it, that's what it's saying. Does not 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, 17, and 18, somewhere in there, says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a loud shout and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and like popcorn popping on a red hot stove, the dead in Christ don't rise. And those that are still alive are going be caught up in the air with him to be with him forevermore. And he said, now y'all comfort each other with these words. Mm -hmm. Not with that mess that they preaching out there, but comfort each other with the hope of eternal glory. So that when them stars are pulled out, that's what he's talking about, pulling the body up, out of here. Mm -hmm. The church, the word church means the called out one. You see these stars here? The difference in the temple. 
and there was nothing in the ark, say the two tables of stone. That means there ain't nothing in there but our covenant between us and God's word. Which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with him or with the children of Israel. When they came out of the land of bondage or Egypt or the world. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, uh-huh, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. See, when, see what happens here? All right. Now, this, this thing, the way we are now, is we are inside this temple. We're in here. I won't scare you, but I'm going to lay something on you. We're inside this temple right now. But when the city that's four square, 1,500 miles long, which one plus five plus zero plus zero equals six, so the city is named in the book of Revelation. When the city is built, it's amazing how when we're taken up and the city is built that it's like the temple is turned wrong side out. And instead of us being in here, we'll be the actual temple. It's, it's alive. See, they've been hollering about the streets of gold and like, that's foolishness. They don't understand the spiritual meaning of streets of gold. Your thoughts will be pure in the spirit. Because gold represents the purity of the spirit. See, God is the spirit. God has no use for gold. You understand what I'm saying? They don't understand. See, that's theology. But we're talking about temple building. You see, that city, we're material. I've talked to all this before. The Bible says that we are trees of righteousness planted by the Lord. And see, circumcision is the sawmill. I told y'all that before. Where you go and you get circumcised to fit two by four, two by six. Am I, ladder strip? Am I making myself clear? Circumcision. So that we can all fitly be framed and joined together, the Bible says. Fitly. That's, I'm, I'm telling you what the word says. I understand the word. I'm giving you the word. I'm trying to show you the mystery of God so that we can get real with this thing and stop playing with this thing like something stupid. I'm dead serious. This thing is real. We done stepped off into something and we can't turn around with this thing. Oh boy, let me tell you something. Hell will be on us. That thing will jump you. You act crazy up here if you want to let God start thinking, then you start acting a fool. That ought to scare everybody in here. Amen. It ought to. To reach a level in God and then act, start acting stupid. It scares me when I do it. I hurry up and repent. Lord, help me. Because I've sinned. And I need you to get that off me. Because I ain't able to get it off me on my own. But God is. See, what our problem is is that we got so much pride. It kills us. See, it keeps us from being able to confess our faults among each other so that we might be healed. You see what I'm saying? And the word, so we in direct contradiction to what the word tells us to do. The word of God tells us to confess your faults among one another so that you might be healed. That's what God's word says. But you see, we so self-righteous with our ego self until we can't tell the truth about the situation and we haven't been taught and, and the preachers haven't allowed or, or, or stood flat-footed and told the people, look, we ain't going for this foolishness up in here. If people got a problem, they got a problem and we're going to do the right thing by them. We're going to love one another like God say love one another. And if you can't do that, you're in the wrong place. That's why they clear out of here. That word will clear them out. Didn't God say you got to do this thing the way I showed you in the mouth? 
Well, you ought to deliver everybody. Let the wheat tab grow with the tab. The devil is a spanking lie. You need to read above that. It said while they were sleeping, the enemy came in. If they hadn't have been sleeping, the enemy never would have got in there. So if you're going to tell it, tell it off. Don't come up in here telling no half-truth dust. No, we don't go there. We'll look at you like you're crazy. Like... Give me the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I want the truth, the whole truth. Paul said, I have not shunned away from giving you the whole counsel of this gospel. All of it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And many times y'all are left out of here hot with me. Tell the truth. Say amen. amen. But you love me anyway because God talked to you before you got to your car. You stop hearing my voice and you start hearing God. Because, see, I wasn't before you then, now it's just you and God. So the word of the Lord tells us here that, 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 that what we're supposed to do. So, so right now, we're in here. But when that true temple, the final episode of it turns out, then watch the word. It turns inside out. We become the material that builds it. It's a live city, you know. And see, we serve the God of the living, not the dead. Y'all know that, man. I'm just giving you word now. We serve the... So, why is we going... Why is we going to walk, be walking on something dead? I don't... Come on, man. Come on, let's get with this thing, man. Let's get with the spirit of this thing. I love you, H.O.D. Now, this is what the word says. The Word of God tells us that, that, that in the book of Revelation, that don't no more light or nothing else need to be in the temple, right? No more sun, no more nothing, because the Lamb going to be the light. See, watch this. Notice now that thing done turned inside out. Right now, we inside, but that thing going to turn outside, and we're going to be the material, and ain't nothing going to be in there inside that thing but God. Watch the Word. Watch what happens here. Verse 10. First King chapter 8, verse 10. Over there. Amen. Word of God say, And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the who? That's that temple. That's that city. So that the priests could not do what? Amen. To minister because of the cloud, which is the word, which is God's glory. Amen. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Don't you know when God's glory fills that house, take nothing standing in there? That's right. And that's what we're shooting for. We ain't shooting for no tell your neighbor nothing. No, tell yourself. Oh, ignorant stuff. We ain't shooting for no, God don't do this for you, God don't do it. No, the last time I checked, God said, it's finished. <laughs> that's the last time I checked. So, so he ain't got to do nothing else for me. All I got to do is walk his way. And when I'm mature enough to get what it is that he got already for me, then he, I'll pick it off the apple tree. All I got to keep doing is going that way. It's already done. I don't have to ask God to do nothing else for me. He, I told y'all last week, he done already supplied all of our needs according to his riches and gold. Ain't no more you need to get on your knees and talk about be a fool asking God for something he done already gave me. Amen. Give me what I want. I'm your son. Where the Lord says. Verse 12. Then Solomon spake. Uh-huh. The Lord said that he would dwell in the Thick darkness. Boy, I like that. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how thick and ugly it looks. Y'all better hear me. 
if you can just remember that God says, see, Solomon, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding in God, our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. It said, this is what the Lord said, that I'm going to dwell with you even in the thickness of darkness, even in the most trying times in your life, even in the most chaotic times in your life. It does not matter when it is, I'm going to be there even in the thickness of your darkness. When you don't know how your bills going to be paid, I got that. When you don't know how you're going to eat, when you sick, I'm the healer. Can't nobody heal like me. Jesus said that in the darkness, in the thickness of your situation, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to dwell with you. So Brother Solomon reminded them. He reminded them. Sometimes we need to be reminded. That it don't make no difference what you're going to do. That I'm with you. He said, Lord, I'll never leave you. No forsake you. Yeah. He said, I'll be with you even until the end of the world. He said, there's a friend that stick closer than a brother. He said that a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born out of adversity. When even in your thickness of darkness, I'm going to dwell with you. And he's the firstborn of many brethren. Ain't no brother like Jesus. See, that's what I like about Jesus. He's big enough to be God. But he's humble enough to be our brother and call us our friends. Listen, <laughs> that's what I like about Jesus. That's what I like about him. He ain't got no problem doing that. Hey, you need a God? Go to him like that. But when you need a friend, say, Jesus, I need a friend. I need a friend right now. You know what I mean? Because right now I'm feeling kind of low. I need a friend. I guarantee you he'll comfort you. Jesus, I need a healer. Whatever it is, if we come to him like that, like that, He'll come back and say, well, I already got you on that. So Solomon, he reminded them. He reminded them. That even in our most trying time, in the thickness of darkness, I got you covered. I'm dwelling with you. I'm dwelling with you. The word of God goes on. He says, I... I have, verse 13 says, I have surely built thee a house to dwell in. This is what the peace of God is saying to God. The spirit of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. It says, I built you a house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. Ain't going to be no more carrying this thing around. Ain't going to be no more taking up your cross no more and going from this place to that place. No, you're going to be planted and built on the solid rock, eternal in heaven. Ain't going to be no more of that. Ain't going to have to go through no more pain, no more suffering, no more crying, no more weeping of eyes, none of that. None of that. The only thing that's hard for us to leave in this world is our loved ones. It ought not be nothing else in this world that's hard for us to turn loose. It shouldn't be. Everything else ought to be easy to turn into. But I can understand, and I'm sure God can too. I think He can give us some leeway on our loved ones and our family members here that we have here, and the ones just coming, and those that are in the body of Christ that are true to this word, because it makes no difference. You, you, I've been all over the place, and some of y'all have too. And you don't meet no strangers that's a real Christian. If you're a Christian, first thing y'all do, you got to automatic link up. If they're real Christian. If they're real Christian, you can sit right there, and boy, you can just tell her all your trouble. And they'll sit there, and they'll hear that thing too. They'll hear that thing and give you some comforting words because most likely they've been through it too. I'm talking about real Christians, y'all. I ain't talking about no foolishness. I'm tired of foolishness. I don't know about y'all. I'm tired of tongue-talking devil. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of flow rollers, devils. Ain't nothing but that ink coming up out of them. That's why they're rolling on the floor. It's in the scripture. 
They don't holler and act a fool until the real thing comes through. That's some demons coming out of them. That's why when they get to fall in it, I get out of the way. I ain't touching nothing. Lay your hands suddenly on no man. And be not no partaker of their sin. That's what the word says. God don't need you to do it. You better keep your hand to yourself. Going out here trying. We had one up there in North Carolina. She loved to go around putting her hands on people for about a whole year. She was all broke over. God finally delivered her back though. Powerful woman of God, but she had a bad habit of putting her hand on people. I done told you, the Bible said, lay your hand suddenly on no man. And then it goes in and said, be not, and be not partaker of that sin. That, that letting you know that something can be transferred in you. See, see, all right now. Now you can act a fool if you want to. Talk about, well, I got Jesus. Yeah, you might have Jesus, but you've got to be appointed and anointed at that specific time. Did you hear what I said? You don't be just running up in it. There's a thing called spiritual discernment. And you better pray about this thing before you run up in there. You better ask some questions about something like I did last night. You better ask some questions before you go lay your hand on something. Because that thing will come on you and have you all messed up. I'm just saying now, it's the difference. If we go by the Bible. Go by the Bible. Do what the Bible say do. Do what the Bible say do. Do it the way the patterns say do. The Bible say don't be anxious for nothing. And I'm closing. Don't be anxious for nothing. But through everything, through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Find out what it is you're going up against. Before you go up against it. Don't tempt God. Don't tempt God. See that's what the devil tried to get Jesus to do. Well he said the angels will bear you up. He give charge over you. So jump down off this. She <laughs> look at <laughs> You want me to tempt God like that? <laughs> you know, jump down. That's what the old devil be telling you. Jump down. Jump down off your high place. I, yeah, he said he'll bury you up, and you go down there and get your whole head tore up. Guess what'll happen? And Jesus won't be nowhere to be found, because, see, you done tempted him. You done tried him. Now, what are you doing trying God like that? Don't play with him like that. Put him out on a rope like that, because he don't work like that. You don't play with him like he's some kind of yo-yo. See, that's our problem. We try to use him as a Santa Claus. We got to stop that. And just let God be God in our life. And it's a good thing. It sure is good, everybody, this morning. I thank God. Uh, thank God for Brother Cedric, man. Come on up and say something, Cedric. And then uh, afterwards, they need to know who you are, Cedric, because you are a website man, you know, you are a PR man, you're doing a lot of... Come on up. Do that for us.